0: What's up, guys? Travis and John here with an intro to our newest episode of Elbows Type Podcast with none other than Mr. Roy Dean himself. John,
1: how was that, bro? I'm still a little shell-shocked. I feel like I was kind of like a little shell-shocked even doing it. Yeah. Like, I was trying to look at him. I was like, don't look him in the eye. No, no, I can look him in the eye. Like, this is all right. Yeah, I was like,
0: (laughs) I "I can't believe this is actually going on. We actually have our whiteboard of, like, questions behind the camera uh, because John was supposed to ask some. Um, I couldn't read it. I, I could barely read it too. I was like trying not to like read the whiteboard and be as professional as possible like, and look and look at, you know, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> what made you decide? Okay, that's my next question. Yeah. And then, you know, like I was trying to, like Jason Khalifa talked about how being in the moment and sticking with it in the moment. I was like, I cannot look away.
1: <laughs> he, he put out so much like good information that I, I'm going to have to listen to it a couple of times probably to really see. Yeah, it end. was, it was
0: amazing. The, the amount of knowledge this guy has about jujitsu and not only, you know, just jujitsu, but uh Japanese jujitsu, aikido, uh, you know, and it's his, it's phenomenal. And he really brings like a different aspect of, I guess you could say, Knowledge. I, I don't want to keep using the word knowledge, but when it comes to martial arts with his extensive background in it, he has been doing it since he was 16 years old and he's 46 now. So 36, 30 years of some sort of martial arts training. And it's just, he has, he has different point of views about it and he can see things. Uh, for what they really are, it's not like he's he's like, oh man, this is the
1: best. Oh well, I man, and he, he's done it in different ways. Like, yeah, I, I don't know anyone else that went and lived in a dojo. Yeah, yeah, know, he lived in Japan mm-hmm. for, you know what I mean, like learning it yep. like that.
0: That's unbelievable. Yeah, he went to public schools in Japan. He it's not like he was a military brat and then you know he went to school on base or something like that. But he was actually in a foreign exchange student program in Japan, and they told him in order for him to really get immersed in the culture that he should pick up an after school program a traditional japanese program so he picked up judo and that was his first kind of thing to uh, that exposed him to the japanese culture was judo and you know it kind of just was like a trajectory from there to just opening up to other different martial arts and it's it's such a good episode unfortunately we have oh my god
1: well, I mean, I'm, so many. One of the biggest guys that we, we get on the podcast, and we, it's just the one day we, we started having issues, dude. Like
0: camera, like you guys will see. I, I I completely forgot to press record on the first like the intro with him. Luckily, nothing really was said yet. Uh, that the video was going to be needed, but the first the first couple minutes is going to be just pure audio for you guys. If you're watching it on YouTube, if you're listening to it on your favorite podcast thing then you won't even you won't even know be able to tell the difference but yeah the camera shut off a couple of times on us it was overheating the sd card on the recorder freaking <laughs> stopped working and luckily, we got the audio to sound good on the, on the Zoom so we can use the audio on Zoom. It, it, it doesn't really matter, you guys. You guys won't tell the difference. But behind the scenes, I was like, I can't believe this is <laughs> happening. Not today. Not today. It
1: felt like we were belt testing. And, you know, oh, it my God. We just weren't showing
0: It was bad. It was so <laughs> bad. But luckily, the interview still went on. Mr. Mr. Roy Dean was very professional and completely understood. He's been there, done that. And you know he obviously makes high-quality content as well. So he understands that sometimes things just happen. You know, it's it's how you react to them, and I just try to fix it as fast as possible and whichever way I can. So let's talk about this uh, beverage of the day. Beverage of the day. I can't
1: wait to talk about mine.
0: This is delicious. I got the.
1: What, what is it, John? What's the alcohol percentage? Uh, none. <laughs> none. You know, it's pretty cold today too. I, I could have used a nice drink. But uh, what do we have? Come we up. got Vita Cocoa coconut water. Um, Uh-oh. Travis was nice enough to get me a non-flavored one. I got the pressed coconut and pineapple. I got to say, uh, as far as the original taste on this, I'm not the biggest fan. Yep. But it's got a lot of potassium.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The reason we chose this is, one, John and I have to head into town after this, and it's been snowing nonstop for, I don't know, almost a day. So I was like, oh,
1: we could have a beer, but I was like, yeah.
0: I gotta gotta, gotta, gotta drive. I don't yeah. really do we'll sh- that.
1: We'll share a couple of pictures of what the outside looked like. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You look at the Instagram;
0: it'll be on the story on the Instagram. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like heavily snowed outside right now. So Mister Mister Dean was talking about his his beverage it was gonna be coconut water. So I was like, oh, we should share share the same flavor with him in coconut water. And then he does a great analogy of jujitsu and coconut water and how how they're very similar, which you wouldn't think. But once again, the amount of knowledge this guy has, and he was just like, yeah, coconut water and jiu-jitsu are very similar, and this is why. And it was great. So, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I don't see how you guys couldn't. You know, it's once again, it's another fantastic episode. But before we let you go, a couple housekeeping things. Follow us on Instagram at Elbows Type Pod. Like our Facebook page, Elbows Type Podcast on Facebook. Go check out our website. Subscribe on YouTube, Elbows Type Podcast on YouTube. We always put out a video with the podcast now. And then also thank you to Crown Rash Guard for supplying us with fantastic rash cards and sponsoring this episode. So. And, now, and
1: now my rash guard fits better, so he's did it better. shrink? I, I, you know, I think I just lost a couple of pounds. I don't think it did. Oh, uh, whatever.
0: <laughs> so thank you, Crown Rash Guard. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, crownrashguards.com. dot com. They are fantastic. I absolutely love it, and I couldn't be happier with them. Actually. You know, hitting us up for this—it's they're phenomenal, and you know, with the colored sleeve, the high quality—it's it's locally owned, single guy doing it all. You you can't you can't ask for much more, and they're they're very well priced. So make sure you guys go check them out and and uh, let them know that we sent you. So, but other than that, you got anything, John? Nope, that's it. Thank you guys for watching. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this episode, of Elbows Tight Podcast, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, guys. Peace. Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis and John. John, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing exceptionally well today. I got some good exercise in.
0: Yeah, because you you just trucked through the snow in Washington State. It's probably the deepest snow we've had in a couple two of years, years yeah, two three so it's years been a at while, least. For sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah, usually we don't get very much snow here. So whenever we do, people will start seeing a single snowflake or a raindrop, and it's just. All breaks, people just stop completely on the. Road. That and I mean,
1: I already took two days off of work when I saw the forecast. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to come in <laughs> Thursday, Friday. Monday's a holiday. Hopefully, it'll melt by. I,
0: I told the guys that in my office, I was like, you know what? If I see a single snowflake when I wake up, on, and not a millennial, like an actual snowflake falling, uh, if I oh. see a single one uh, on Friday morning, I'm, I'm I'm calling in. And there was still snow left over from the on Thursday night, mm-hmm. and it wasn't very much. I was like, I'm I'm going to go ahead and just call out i'm not i'm not coming in risking it because our roads aren't don't get hit right yeah. right away they nope, usually nope take while. a day or two for them to come and dig us out when we do have heavy snow so but uh today we have a very special guest we have mr roy dean how you doing today doing well thanks for having me on guys no oh, no problem thank you for uh giving this your time today um but before we get into the interview mr roy what what's, what's your beverage of the day for today
2: Beverage of the day is coconut water. I got the Harmless Harvest, mm. which is kind of a, a tasty variety, but one of many. <laughs> and uh, it's good. I mean, there's nothing like a coconut water after after training.
0: Yes, yes. You put in the – we were emailing each other back and forth, and then last night you put in there – You it was a good uh, synonym for – or simile for jiu-jitsu, right? Can you go in a little bit of – like oh, it's, you said, a different yeah. flavor, but <laughs> –
2: yeah. Right. So it's all coconut water. It's a kind of a distinct, you know, branch of the beverage chain.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but and you have all these varieties, um, you have coconut water with mango or lime or pineapple added you have, and maybe those are different, um, you know, different systems of jujitsu that have been, you know, practiced by different people. Maybe the, uh, the coconut water with mango is like tenth planet, and you know if you and if you get the pulp, that's like part of the roots of where that came from. So maybe that's like the jujitsu for MMA.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I like right. it. So and
2: you, you go everywhere. It's coconut water. It's delicious. It's good anywhere you go. However you get it, but you know regionally it could be it could be different, and that's part of the fun. It's like tasting these different flavors of the same thing you know, they're prepared a little bit differently. And, um, you know, and you can even look at the family of jujitsu like that, like judo is jujitsu, Aikido, Brazilian jujitsu, some of the older, um, Koryu traditions, uh, Japanese traditions where they have a lot of, you know, they retain some of the weapon stuff. So, you know, it's jujitsu is varied, but, um, you know, I think that's one of the best parts of it.
0: Yeah. We actually, uh, my wife and I enjoy coconut water, and so we, I, John and I, ended up buying a couple coconut waters to, to join you in on it. And I got the pineapple one. So, oh yeah, he,
1: he got flavored. He gave me original. Um, I can't right. Say, I can't say I'm a the vibe of, of the is good. I've
0: definitely had that one. <laughs> he was like, he's like, oh, this is this one's kind of rough. I was like, you want to try the coconut pineapple? <laughs> <laughs> so, but hey, before we go any further, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the people who might not know who you are? The very few out there that might not know who you are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My name is Roy Dean. Um, I am a lifelong martial artist. Uh, I started training when I was 16 in Japan. I was doing judo over there as an exchange student. And going to Japan changed the trajectory of my life. Um, That involvement with martial arts got me into other forms of jiu-jitsu. I did aikido, traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu. And then once I got involved in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Um, It was it was a really deep love affair. It's a challenging art. And that's one of the things that I I liked about it so much. So been training about uh, 30 years altogether and maybe, you know, 16 in BJJ. And it's, uh, it's something that's changed my life. And I'm very grateful to the art. I'm currently a third degree black belt under Professor Roy Harris.
0: Yeah, so what was the first martial art that you you actually did? Was it in Japan? So I I did a little karate
2: when I was a kid. I got enrolled, but I I wasn't, like, developmentally, I wasn't there yet. I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was probably 9 or 10. And then when I got um, chosen as an exchange student to Japan, they wanted me to do a traditional martial art or traditional Japanese art after school. And I didn't want to do flower arranging or, like, archery. I wanted to do something, you know, kind of make me a man, right? So... (laughs) They did, I asked to do judo and they said, oh, it's very tough training. I was like, no, I'm ready for it. So I did that for uh, about a year and then came back to the U.S. But it was very, very formative. Um, it, it really kind of popped that bubble of like Asian mysticism about martial arts. I mean, judo is about a lot of repetitions and then putting it into action and you know, full commitment to the throw, too. You know, you have to be able to just, and the perfection in the technique is not in doing a perfect, it's doing it without thought and like matching the moment through your movement. So it's uh, it was a great martial art to start with. And it gave me a great base to go and explore some of these more, um, sometimes more esoteric arts, like Aikido has a more spiritual bent and they've eliminated a lot of techniques from their technical curriculum. So you just focus on these these essential things and try to get a better understanding there. So I, I'm really grateful that I had that time doing judo. Um it's it, you just like BJJ, you find out the truth real quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you um I read your book, The Martial Apprentice, um oh. probably a couple years ago. And it was at a good time because me and Travis were actually in Japan. So oh, we awesome. were we were there working but we were also training jujitsu in Yokosuka. So it was just interesting because I was reading your book at that time and getting your perspective of mm-hmm. uh, Japanese culture and being down there. So it, that to me that was like really unique, and I think that's when we really started following your content, um, subscribing to your channel. I think we'd do our own um, private practices on Sunday yeah. by watching your you and Roy Harris. I can't remember we were watching it was the a lot pressure of one, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'd go practice that on Sundays pretty awesome. extensively.
0: Yeah, we actually would have the iPad on the mat in on base. And then we would sit there and we would watch the technique and be like, okay, now we can practice. And we would practice it and we're like, "Uh, something doesn't feel right. We would rewind it and then it was like we were in a seminar, like a practice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But our first experience was uh, with some judo people there. They wanted to work on their ground game. They didn't speak English and, you know, Mm -hmm. but they would come to the gym on, well, I think it was a Sunday.
0: Yeah, Sunday was open.
1: They had like the international Japanese judo team there. So that was like our first taste of it. And yeah. I was like, well, I've never done judo. So this, I'm like immediately oh, no. pulling guard. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I was like I, you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen here. Yeah,
0: it was crazy to 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 sit there with them because it was literally, I don't know, 10, 12 judo black belts and like world champs and whatnot. And uh, that the first thing I was like, uh, do you want to like stand up? Like, I really don't want to get thrown right <laughs> now. but." <laughs> But he's like, no, no, no! I want to do jujitsu, and I was like, uh I'm literally been doing this for like six months, man. Yeah. But I guess we can go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's fantastic.
2: There's nothing quite like. I'm a big believer in cross training with other, you know, and it could be jujitsu and sambo, could be jujitsu and aikido, or another another catch wrestling too. I think, especially as you get more advanced. Um, you need to know what these other grappling arts do, which is kind of outside the norm of the general jujitsu game. Like I remember going with the catch wrestler and he did this inside heel hook. I had butterfly guard. He reached down in between and then just cranked on. He was a big guy. And I was like, Oh, I need to remember that. And you would never get that in like a normal jujitsu, some of the attacks. So I think it's so illuminating to be able to, Cross train with other people, you know, outside of your school or maybe in different
0: art. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm actually listening to your your book, the other one. We were tr- trying to listen to the same one, but we ended up picking two of the different books. But I'm becoming right. a black belt, and uh-huh. we both come from a CrossFit background before we started Jiu Jitsu. And I thought it was so interesting that your you started CrossFit in the early 2000s in the same school as Greg Glassman, right? So I wasn't
2: doing the CrossFit classes myself, but Greg Glassman taught because I was living in Monterey and then he was sharing space with Claudio Franza up in Santa Cruz and Claudio and a guy named Garth Taylor were like the first BJJ athletes to be sponsored by CrossFit and to be. And um, so I got exposed to it and I started learning more and uh, CrossFit was like different back then. It was more almost theoretical what if we take this bunch of exercises and um, these movements from these disciplines and cross train them? And I think, I think it was, you know, a revolution, a fitness revolution, which I think is um, great, but then it's like all things it morphed into something else. Uh, But, you know, CrossFit is, I think it's been overall good for the fitness industry Um, and it shook things up and, the entire, you know, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between CrossFit and Jiu Jitsu. It's kind of a sense of community. There's an intensity there that people crave. And, and why do people really want, of course, people want to be in shape because they want to feel better and be more attractive or whatever, have an enhanced uh, sense of well being. But a lot of it is just like that intense feeling of being alive that you get at the end of one of those workouts or at the end of a sparring session, you know. There's also an element of not total randomness, but variation, which is there's a repetition, but variation, which is very pleasing to the mind where you have these core exercises, but you don't know how they're going to be combined, or you don't know what's going to be taught in class that day. And you don't know how your partner is going to attack you, but you know, you have your familiar game. And so that mix is just so delicious.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I try to, Tell people that do CrossFit that talk about coming over to jiu-jitsu. I'm like, dude, it's you'll fall in love with it because the same thing. Sense of community. And then I thought I was pretty fit before doing jiu-jitsu. And then I rolled for my first five minutes, and I, I looked at my friend. I Actually, I think it was John. I was like, I, I would die in the streets. Like, yeah. I would literally be dead in
1: the streets. <laughs> yeah, that was a quick lesson learned. It yeah, was like, yeah. man, I thought I was, like, tougher. Or...
0: So how <laughs> often do you actually get to train now?
2: Oh, uh, I probably train three days a week, uh, three days a week, sometimes four if I'm feeling it. Um, But I'm very much into like balancing. So I'll do yoga maybe two times a week. Um, Ashtanga yoga. I'm a big advocate of Ashtanga. And then I'll do, you know, like calisthenics, kettlebell pull-ups, bodyweight squat, that kind of thing. Occasionally I'll dabble. I did like a little powerlifting stint a little while ago to kind of, you reawaken things when you do that. Um, but, you know, I just like mixing it up or maybe going for a, like an extended walk. Randy Couture used to call it like um, active rest,
0: mm-hmm.
2: where it's not too intense, but, you know, you're just kind of, I just want to keep moving. I'm 46. Um, I've trained a lot. I still love it. But you have to kind of, you have to keep your, your instrument pretty well honed if you're going to be going against, you know, really skilled people or just giants of any nature, you know?
0: Yeah, John, you can relate to that.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting point. I find myself, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, three years into this jujitsu journey and I started right when I was turning 40. So a lot of the guys I'll practice with or whatnot, you know, they're twenties, pretty fresh. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to find this balance on a, you know, like how to, you know, how to spar with someone that's vastly, I don't want to say, well, they're younger. They're more energetic. They seem to recover quicker, but yeah. that's just one of the things I'm just trying to figure out now. Cause I'm still competitive, you know, and I don't, of, you know, of course you stuff. wouldn't be in the
2: art really. If you weren't, you didn't yeah. have some level right. of competitiveness in you. He uses sure. wrist locks to, to neutralize. I do.
1: I do. use a lot of wrist locks. It seems to help when they're just so energetic and they're going nonstop. And it's a good way mm-hmm. I slow
2: down. The unguarded gate is a best to attack.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. How how do you deal with uh do you get to roll with uh younger people a oh, lot yeah. or
2: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'm 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 still super active. The um so you have to amass a certain amount of of technique before you can implement strategy. Uh but you you know, the strategy for a lot of those younger guys, you can't match their pace. Right. You can't match their pace. So what you have to do is you either have to slow them down or lure them to a position where you don't have to move that much. Like you can let them pass your guard or almost pass your guard or take half guard or something like that in a position where, you know, it's a lot easier when like, if you're on the ground and they're standing up and they're going all fast and they're trying to like juke you, (laughs) you're like, yeah, do do your thing. I'm waiting here. (laughs) It's not about racing that guy it's a be it's about like he's going to turn that corner and you just know a shortcut and you're waiting at that corner right so when he like how
0: would you get here so fast you're like eh. <laughs> that's a very true so you you said that you are you are a black belt under Roy Harris and mm-hmm. in your in your books you talk about how instrumental he was and who you became today and your martial arts background and whatnot, is there anyone else that you look up to in martial arts that you would hold in the same regard as Roy Harris? Oh, uh, you know,
2: he's a, Mr. Harris is a high quality individual and technically like really phenomenal, you know, and he was one of the early people that embraced cross training and kind of JKD mindset. So, um, you know, there are a lot of people I admire in the Jitsu community. I think Pedro Sauer is like, Dude, the vibe off him is just, I've been to many of his seminars, a gentleman, technically amazing. His understanding of biomechanics and everything is just superb. Um, you know, and there's a lot of people that I've admired technically. Years ago, uh, I heard an interview with a, a black belt and he was like, you know, you gotta, his name was Tyrone Glover, who was kind of like an influential black belt here on the West Coast in the early days. Uh, a friend of Jeff Glover's, same team, but they're they're different people and he's like you know you got to become a fan you have to be if you really want to get good at jujitsu. you have to fall in love with the art and you have to become a fan of somebody and then you start emulating things from them and i would say over the years i've been a big fan of like david and daniel camarillo the camarillo brothers um their integration of judo and jiu-jitsu was dynamic and deadly um guys like jacquardy dude i Loved watching any tournament footage of him. his timing is aggression, you know, but it's aggression, but it's it's not wasted energy. He'll explode and then it he, he he's able to save energy because he's so aggressive Boom! he tips a guy over and then he's attacking um, Guys like Andre Galvao I mean greatest well he's the greatest Brazilian uh, competitor of like my generation and the greatest American competitor Rafael Lovato jr. And even though I'm not, like, heavily embedded in the competition scene, I do have a lot of respect for those guys because they've been willing to do it, you know, travel, get what, do the training, do whatever it takes to achieve their goals. And so there's a lot of people. You can admire people from a, you know, um, a technical standpoint, uh, as far as, like, the competition record and their medal. Uh, and then people, you know, you admire more on an, I would say, like, intellectual level like Dan Hur, like Mr. Harris, um, and Pedro
0: Saura would put in that same
2: category.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was um, you when you talk about like Mr. Harris and your book and everything like that, it's it's really like inspiring that you you get to engage with someone and that had such influence like you talked about like in your book from him. And you, when you started jujitsu, jitsu you talked about how you had multiple black belts in other martial arts before you even started jiu-jitsu. And I, w- I was laughing listening to your – your when you talk, competed in white belt and blue belt, and you're like, man, I have black belt in judo. I have a black belt in this. and Like, I'm getting my butt kicked right now. Like, this is this is infuriating. It shouldn't be, but it's happening anyway. <laughs> and uh, so, my next question is, What you have four different black belts, right, you said? huh and w- which one was probably the most difficult to obtain and not not only necessarily like physically but because i know into the traditional martial arts you have other aspects that you have to go through which one, one of them was the most difficult to obtain
2: oh i mean I, I mean definitely the bjj black belt is is the most difficult to obtain i would say the The judo black belt was actually not that difficult to attain because I was in a competition system. So I competed every month and you have to beat a certain number of guys at each level and then you go to the next level. And if you get good at a couple of techniques, you can kind of coast your way through um, to shodan rank. And this is in high school. So it's, it's different than like the standards that they would have in the United States for... For where they have you do like the entire syllabus of like the whatever sixty seventh rows of the Kodokan and all that. This is like performance, meat and potatoes. And so I was able to through my performance be able to get my uh, first degree black belt after a year. So you know after the you know in term like I would say the Japanese jujitsu black belt in Seibukon Jiu-Jitsu took a lot of like technical drilling and training and um, it was it was not that easy I mean to really understand the art because they make you do weapons too and a variety of weapons so you learn a bokken like a wooden sword and they have you do like knife defense gun defense they're not amazing they're not all incredible defenses but it's it's more about giving you ideas on angles to get off the line of attack in different ways and you know, another thing that they do is like, for example, on the, in the black belt test with Sabu he attacked you at, back in those days. He would attack you with a mystery weapon.
1: Oh, I remember you talking about that in your audio book. And I was like, that's... Yeah, and great- you don't know. And
2: a couple people got, I mean, a couple people got hurt doing that. Oh. Like they didn't get out of the way entirely. <laughs> and there are some, it's kind of, it was, you know, it it puts something into you. So I think there's... Um. In terms of the energy output and focus, um, the Seibukan Jiu Jitsu to I, third degree black belt in that, that took a lot of, of time and dedication, but nothing really compares to the BJJ black belt. I mean, dude, cause you have to do it through competition. You have to do it to your own instructor standards. Um, and back in those days, like now the, the problems are different. The problem is really there's too much information and too many options which I mean, it's kind of, but back in the day, it was like too little information and not enough options. So, you know, now it's about cutting things away for additional clarity. And back then it was just like being a sponge and absorbing info.
1: There is a lot of content out there now. Like you you can definitely get lost in uh, trying to research and trying to learn. Like uh, I've tried all kinds of stuff. I won't lie. (laughs) In the last three years, you know, I'm like, uh the bjj flow maps i've tried those you know to try to give a little structure you know i'll try whatever but um some things
2: and i think i think different approaches are you know someone's approach might really resonate with you some people go more conceptual uh some people go more technical here's the exact syllabus that you need to do here's you know mr harris's approach was fundamental movements into positional escapes that's the real foundation And then the techniques build easily off of that. Um, So, I mean, there's, you know, one of my my black belts now, he asked, he he wanted to do some kind of weird, I wouldn't say weird, but it was like a really advanced thing, maybe some deep half. And I was like, dude, only study those areas when you find yourself in them. If you find yourself in there, uh, then it'll give you answers, but those answers are not applicable if you don't get near that problem. So, I mean, as a white belt or a blue belt, you can accumulate and occasionally some things make all the difference in the world for you. But once, uh, but unless you find yourself like, oh man, I'm getting my guard pass. Okay. Then get a guard retention thing, you know, or if you find yourself in deep half, but you don't have any options, that's when you go for that instructional. Otherwise it's just clogging up, just clogging up your mind, man. That's too much you want less
1: options <laughs> i totally agree it's, it reminds me uh first time i ever got knee barred i wasn't sure what was going on i didn't know what that was we were in japan <laughs> and uh oh. i was like what is this guy doing to me so like he, he did it i think four times in a row like really quick and i just kept tapping yeah. finally i told him i was like look i'm going be honest i have no idea what you're doing so we can oh. either you can change taxes or i'm just
2: gonna keep keep tapping exactly. to this exactly like, what we're doing <laughs> totally no yeah and and Dude, if somebody, I will ask if somebody gets me with something, I don't get angry. I'm like, dude, that was good. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, for sure. What was that? Because I'm
0: stealing that. <laughs> and that's 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 the attitude you got to take. Yeah. Uh, you were talking. we were talking about like content and stuff. What made you decide to want to start putting out content to on YouTube? Because you started doing YouTube at a very at the very start oh, yeah. of YouTube, right?
2: Early, I was just you know I was being kind of creative and i've always been uh into doing um digital media so you know i grew up playing the piano and then i went to school to um become like an audio engineer write music electronically and then i got hired by a production company and then i learned all about video editing and i was like oh man i can do all this myself and i thought hmm I had a couple of ideas. I said, one, I dude, I got to quit the nine to five grind. <laughs> I was, I, I, I just, I had to find a way out and people from all over the world were coming to train with my instructor and had, they had their own academies. And I was like, man, I, I could totally do this. I could, this, and I love jujitsu. I mean, I've been, I love martial arts. So I said, okay, this is, this is the answer. And what's my competitive edge. Well, I'm an expert in media. And so, once I started producing content, um, I released some stuff on YouTube that I wasn't going to be releasing otherwise. Um, For example, with Blue Belt Requirements uh, 1.0, the first round of filming I didn't like, there was a little sound from the lights overhead, I didn't like it, so I just put it out on YouTube. And then people were like, oh, this is great, I was putting out content for free, high quality content. So... Then I decided, okay, this is, this is good. And communication is really about storytelling. So I thought, Hmm, I'm going to do something a little bold here and risky, but sometimes that works out. And I started posting my belt promotion demos and because I wanted to, I mean, it's like just tearing off your shirt. Like here are my standards. Right you know, open for criticism. And also, I mean, the idea of people of me tapping to a white belt at the very end when they go against the big boss, <laughs> like people didn't understand how you're like working with them to like make them really dig deep, you know, so they, so they don't give up in that moment. Um, but those are risks that you take and, and totally fine. So people got involved with the storyline of my academy and like, oh, these guys have really clean fluid techniques, something's going on here. Um, and so being able to share that with YouTube and just like, you know, just put, I just wanted to put out high quality content. And then I said, you know, I'm doing something good. Um, if I can just continue to put out content that puts jujitsu in a really good light. So that even if people are exposed to it just for the, they don't know anything about jujitsu, but they come across like Peter's crucible like probably the most popular video I have video. Yeah. Or, or one of the other, you know, black belt demos, like no mercy for old men with Rick Ellis, Mm -hmm. like those different ends of the spectrum. One is a a young adult. The other guy is in his fifties and they're both getting their black belts. And these are inspiring uh, trials, rites of passage, you know, and that's something deep. Um, I think everyone who's involved in jujitsu should read the book tribe by Sebastian Junger. And he talks about how these guys go to war and they're in a very intense situation where they rely on each other. And it goes back to earlier days, you know, um, where we were in tribes and that reliance on the unit creates deep meaning in our lives. And plus a feeling of being alive, like you might, you're on, you're on edge as, as you guys know, if you were um, involved in the, armed services so like that and then those guys when they come back to regular civilian life it's like not as exciting like they're missing something and you can reconnect to your own tribe through jiu-jitsu through crossfit through yoga you know you need these other athletic endeavors and if i can expose more people to that that inspires me to do even better work um and and keep moving forward with uh, spreading jiu-jitsu
0: yeah. I think that was our first exposure was obviously it was one of your belt tests on YouTube and we were watching. And I was like, man, oh, I should probably demote myself beyond Me too. Belt. I was like, like, I
1: don't think I can do that. And I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and they were like super high quality. And then obviously, like you just mentioned, the storyline was phenomenal because it starts off, you know, they, they're just doing their technique with their partner. And I'm like, man, these guys are so smooth. Like it is incredible to watch. And then it gr- gradually starts to intensify, and then the sparring starts. And you know they start off with someone of a similar belt or a belt above, and then they start building up and mm-hmm. the difficulty. Right? See, we pay attention to this. Oh yeah, <laughs> and no, then, you guys, yeah. And and then, yeah you guys are on it. You you end with you, right? Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I was like, man, I was like, I don't think I could ever tap a black belt. How are these guys tapping? you know, Roy Dean in these videos. And then I started, as I started to get more experienced, I realized, Oh, he was feeding him that arm bar. He was like, Hey, here it is. Are you going right. to, are, are, are you uh-huh. going for it? Like this is, this is it. And I've noticed it from higher belts that I've rolled with too. If they want to see my skills, they start kind of feeding things to me. And if I start taking it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Dude. Thanks for paying attention guys. And that, you know, and
2: that thing, that dynamic of the upper belt, you know, or it's like lions, uh, you know, the, the big line will just like, Oh, have the little line attack and it falls over. It plays, you know, it, it goes into it. Same thing. I throw people when I'm training, I'm, I'm checking their awareness level. Hey, I'm putting, I'm reaching back between your legs here. Are you going to triangle me or what? Oh, you're not seeing that. I'm putting my form on your throat. You don't know which way to turn for the arm bar. You're not ready for your blue belt yet. It needs to be a little bit more automatic. You know, so being able to just like feed that dynamic and have your ego check out because initially with jujitsu it's like no, this is like my identity. You know, am I gonna? You know, this it's simulated war and you lost that battle and your and your genetic you know legacy is now cut off because (laughs) you just got tapped by someone. (laughs) Right? On some level, that's what we're working with, but we got it. We have to morph that into no, we're playing around. And, and, you know, and, and we're using the art to do other things like mood regulation, keep in shape, connect with other people, you know, and, and get lost in the game. The problem solving skills that you get in jujitsu allow you to, like, keep an open mind about things. I wish more politicians did jujitsu because it's it's all about, OK, that normally works. That should work. It didn't work. Let's look at a new approach and it's, there's no judgment. There's no moral judgment with like leaving one thing behind and going for another Avenue. You know, I, I think over in the UAE and a lot, they're doing jujitsu in the educational system, Mm -hmm. you know, like we do high school wrestling here, you know, they did judo like that in Japan. If they had jujitsu or judo or, you know, some of these other martial arts, if that were supported by our educational system, our public educational system, I think we'd have a more peaceful society.
1: Yeah, that would that would be interesting. I really thought about that. That would be interesting. Yeah,
0: one of our friends, he's uh, going to school similarly to for um, film and audio, and he was asking us to do for his thesis. He's going to do a documentary on how in public violence is frowned upon, but the second you enter a school like a jujitsu school or taekwondo or something like that. Then violence is embraced, and how how that affects you outside and inside, right? The, the the two differences. And so he asked us to do an interview with him, and I'm like, man, that's 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 a very thought provoking idea, right? Like, I can't le- what, the second I leave these doors, me arm barring someone in the streets is kind of frowned upon. But I'm doing it inside the school, and it, it's you know everyone's everyone's on the same page. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. that's a very very thought provoking thing for me is like, man, maybe more people should do this. I mean, when you fall in love with something, you always try to get everyone to do it with you. you know? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we're always like, come do jujitsu. Yeah, jiu-jitsu. man,
1: we we tried to talk everyone we know into it. Yeah, not everyone roll their eyes it. when they look at it. Not
2: everyone's not everyone's into it. But you know, BJJ is look, it's a I call it a high art. It's challenging. You got to be physically adept. You can't have any. You don't need to be the strongest guy in the world, but you can't have any weak links in your in your chain so you got to be strong enough in jujitsu you got to be flexible enough you got to you know you have to have a strategy and technique and whatever so there are all these things that if you're not there yet you're not going to be as successful as you'd like to be in the art because it's a i mean dude it's it's a real resistance right but there are other martial arts that i think might interest people a little more like say Taekwondo or um, like the Japanese jujitsu style, Some Sometimes those are like, I call them feeder arts, where they get people in the door, they embrace like the entire ritual of going in and changing into a uniform and studying things and learning specific movements. You know, there's a difference between, I guess, many traditional martial arts where they you're promoted on the replication of movements as opposed to your application of technique against resistance. I mean, those are two totally different bars, but just to get people to this low bar is better than nothing. Yeah. You know? And, and so it can be that way with, I like, uh, I happen to like Ashtanga yoga more than I like Bikram yoga. It doesn't mean that I hate Bikram yoga. And Bikram was like the first time I ever got the yoga high. So I love Bikram yoga or hot yoga um, these days because it gives you that yoga high and you don't need to like practice for a year. So you memorize a sequence, so you can focus on your breath instead of, oh, which pose comes next, right? They take all that out. They crank the heat up. You feel wrung out by the end of class and you're like, I feel amazing. <laughs> so, you know, to be able to get people in the door and then if they want like a, a higher approximation of truth, in terms of physical combat, then they can gravitate toward the BJJ.
0: Yeah. So when you, when you do your, your video content, uh, going back to that real quick, like you, like we keep saying, it's very high quality. If people haven't watched it yet, go, please go watch a video. You'll, you'll be amazed on the quality of this content. What, what's your equipment that you actually use for the videos?
2: Mm, good question. Um, a couple of different things. I'm usually a Sony guy. So I've had a variety of Sony um like 4K camcorders that I've used. Um I just got a new Sony, I think it's an um A7S3, which is a you know more a DSLR uh camera, but it's I want to do some really great content with that. That's like this coming year. I got some cool projects coming up. It does amazing slow-mo. Uh, I also have used the DJI Osmo Pocket to do pure rolling too. So with that, that was recording at 60 frames per second. And, and it was just, it's buttery smooth. And mm-hmm. so for the slow-mo and that I use, yeah. So I, I usually use Sony cameras um, and I try to get the audio good. That's a very important element Absolutely. and I try to have dynamic camera guys Um, like I do a variety of projects. So I did a, um, you know, I've done a lot of instructionals that are real, super clean, like no one else is on the mat. and, And then I wanted to go in the opposite direction. So I started doing Coachella, which was like fly on the wall. This is real life, nothing scripted, no special microphones or anything. This is just like, this is what it is. And it was like, it was a kind of a juicy snapshot um, of the dojo at that time, which I liked. And, and now I'm kind of doing things in the middle where it's, it's real life. For example, I'm doing a um, – I'm working on a new project called the Jiu-Jitsu Class, Volume 1. And these are real classes that I've taught for the people in the room. And you see them in the background. You see bags in the background, whatever. But the camera work is awesome because the guy is really – he's getting in there. It's very different than just being on a tripod, right. standing back. No, you feel it's immersive, and it's the real stuff that these people need to know, which is a different setup than the way most instructionals are. They go r- usually really, 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 really deep in one particular subject matter, you know, but this is more of like linking words together into sentences and, and saying like, "Hey, you could say this or you could say that." You know So anyways, I'm working on the artwork with, um, with Peter Hulse right now, Peter, the, my, my black belt, oh, okay. uh, and he's also a graphic designer. So we'll be working on that PDF download. Every time I do a project, I want to be, I want to be better than the last one. Right. You know, I want to be beautiful. I want to be great content. And, and that in turn gets more people involved in the art.
0: Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a Sony guy too. This is our, the camera that we use is, a sony a6100 with a sigma 16 millimeter on on the end of it right so good glass in front of a good body too which is totally great and it's funny that you mentioned that because john is not a tech guy i'm like thank
1: god your stuff so easy for me to get to on apple it's just like (laughs) boom done all my videos are there download that's why i like it but like
0: (laughs) like this whole setup like uh i have a vision in my mind of what i want our podcast to look like and sound Mm -hmm. like and and obviously audio is always the first thing that we need to worry about and how good the audio is. But then I was like, you know what? I think we can branch out and start doing different styles of content and do like a video podcast with it too. And so yeah. I invested in a, a, a decent a decent camera. And next thing we want to do is I, I told him, I was like, we should do like instructional videos, like blue belts teaching, you know, white belts. Like we were mm-hmm. just there, you know, like these are mm-hmm. the we kind of look like. And these are the kind of things that helped us out, you know, kind of give that a little bit more raw because... I don't know. I feel like there's, we can get a better connection with people. Uh, Not saying the black belt can't. Right. But it's kind of like listening to someone that's been there with you. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, Hey bro, I I literally just did this last week. I promise you. (laughs)
2: Like, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And some of the problems you, the problems are fresh from that level, you know, black belt, upper black belt. It's been, it's been a while since they've had those problems with the same kind of intensity. You know and the and the problems shift. a lot of people don't realize that, oh, it's not just you don't just train the same way going up all the way to black belt. You have to change the way you train and focus on different things. Um, it It's really important that you can kind of you know uh, just adapt a, as you continue to go on. and people that were just in those trenches they they remember, oh man, this is this is what you really need to to do."
1: Yeah, I think uh, a big thing we always talk about right now, at least at our level and talking to our friends, is the whole uh, strength versus technique and technique versus strength and where you're at with you know where you're at in your at, at your game at that point. And uh, I think for us right now, yeah, I'd say we're about like fifty fifty, right? Yeah. Like when we first started, it it was all strength, like one hundred percent for sure. And uh, you know, we would search for content, looking for something where somebody's talking about that when we were like in that first year, like, are we going too hard? Or like, what what are we doing here? And that's mm-hmm. really just thinking about those things is what started our podcast yep. is there was nowhere for us to really go and hear people in the trenches at that moment talking about it. Mm, and, uh, that's, no doubt. That's, that's what we were really looking for. But I like listening to you talk about it and uh, strength versus technique and when you should use them. Or, you know, sometimes like if you don't have quite the technique, like three years in, I can assure you I don't have all the technique (laughs) locked down. (laughs) So I'm using a whole lot more strength when I need to, especially when, you know, if it's a 20 year old, you know, I'm using probably a whole lot more strength than I normally would with someone that might be more experienced that has more technique. And it's, uh, you know, it's easier for me to match that than just pure muscle.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, it's like a continuum. You know, you start out using like 80% strength, 20% technique, but as you like really dial into what those angles are, it gets higher and higher. And then it's like, Oh, I'm using like 70% technique, 30% strength. You know, when the high level black belts are in the nineties, almost always, sometimes you get, you actually, you know, your physical attributes decrease because you're so used to just like, Oh, I'm just going to play my position, pick this guy off. And, uh, and so when you actually get taxed, you're like, shoot, I'm not <laughs> really in as good a shape as I used to be. This is terrible, which is a different kind of challenge for upper belts. You know, now I'm good, but I'm out of shape.
1: <laughs> yeah. And all I'm seeing is like, man, I wish I had their technique.
2: <laughs> right? I know. You
1: think all your problems will be gone? You got different problems. <laughs> all right. It's like, he's not even breathing hard. Look at that. I'm over here dying.
0: <laughs> so like, like you just mentioned, you having to change your, your technique and whatnot. How do you, how do you prevent injuries or how easily do you get injured now when you train? Ah. Uh.
2: Well, you know, if I don't warm up at all, uh, I could warm up through, if I don't warm up at all, uh, it's easy to get injured. If I do a thorough warm up, still in the first round or two, I won't go with like the most challenging guy. I try to go with someone who's like maybe another black belt and will flow and but there's still pressure and it's still somewhat real. And, you know, it usually ramps up during the roll and it goes down, the tempo shift. But when it comes to like those first two rolls, uh, I will probably not get injured if I have a good first two. I'm rolls not going to go all the. way. I'm not going to redline it on the first round or the second round. Third round, okay, we're good. We're good. Um, but you know, I need at least ten to fifteen minutes of rolling before I'm going to really go against that you know that 240 pound black belt who's just a a beast, you know, I'll do it. It's cool. And it's good for me to do that. But I I know better. I've taught myself and I don't get exhausted anymore. If I'm like, oh, that was good. I did five rounds, maybe six. That's we're good. Don't get exhausted and then strain too much at the very end. Um, That also prevents injuries
0: yeah john how, how do you kind of prevent
1: because i know you've had a couple more than,
0: than yeah i have
1: yeah oh yeah. well, i mean i don't know i think sometimes i'm just going too hard and i think you said i get exhausted but I, I just keep pushing through it and you know sometimes i'll even take off the gi and i'm like i'm done and then somebody will be like one more roll one more mm. roll, it back on and i'll do it and i'm like hard to turn it down once you're warmed up i'm like oh i just shouldn't have but uh you know i'm I laid off the weights for a while, I'm trying to get back into weight training, seeing if that'll help prevent some injuries and and you know, we'll see. I do prefer to warm up. Uh not too long of a warm up. I like maybe 10 minutes tops, That's but uh then I'm pretty much ready to go after that.
0: Yeah. So what lessons would you tell uh the younger self? that you've learned on your way through your journey, your journey in jujitsu. What are you
1: saying? What would, what would professor tell himself when he was 16? Yeah. All the knowledge he's a man. (laughs) Now, what would he tell
2: (laughs) us? Yeah. Oh, um, tap early, tap often. The, no one's watching. And when I, when I say no one's watching, I mean, like sometimes when you're in a role you think you're performing for the people that are watching on the side or the people in the crowd that are watching or the person you're pushing against is watching like nobody's watching that no one is observing your role this is just between you and that other person and um you know i would say keep your head down keep showing up it's a marathon not a sprint And, um, just, yeah, I, I would, I would also have to, I guess, end that with, um, it's all about longevity. It's all about longevity. So all of your physical training should embrace that. I've known a lot of, I've known, you know, I've known CrossFit athletes and power lifters and yogis and all kinds of, whenever you start going to those extremes, uh, with your kind of physical capabilities. Dr. Mark Chang says something great. You know, movement is like money. Uh, it's not a big deal and you can spend it if you have it, but if you're, if you're getting it on credit, you, you can't do that for very long, mm. right? And, I, and I see, I've seen a lot of like power lifters, they just pay the price, their shoulders go, their thumb goes. They 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 get a, a stiffness uh, or whatever or you know CrossFit people there's a lot of shoulder injuries. Oh there. man, yeah, right. Um, yogis, you don't want to go into hypermobility either, you know. Um, so th- whatever, just stay the middle path and aim for longevity. Uh, I think I think that's and I've I've been trying to just chip away at that middle path for for a long time. And that's the kind of jujitsu I try to give my students to like, it can be applicable to MMA or competition jujitsu or just whatever health and fitness or your own personal, you know, you know, figuring out the chess game, but it's, you don't have to go to any one extreme and be pigeonholed
0: there. So when you look to promote your students, what, besides technique, or is it just purely technique that you're looking for them, the application of jiu Or are you looking for kind of personality traits? Because I know in some schools when a blue belt is just, you know, the first belt. But yeah. as you start getting higher up, you become leaders in the school. So mm-hmm. they want to promote people that would be good leaders for the school. Is that something you look for also when you're promoting people? Mm, that's a really good question.
2: Because BJJ is a performance-based martial art, you know, it is kind of about performance, movement, and technique, um, ultimately. However, if the personality doesn't represent, and their behaviors don't represent the art, then I need to work with them, or maybe even hold them back a little um, from that. I also take into consideration, like, okay, how old are they? What were they like when they started versus where they are now? You know, sometimes you, you can't, compare people to you know against the stud in the in the room you know your normal average person against you know someone who's a formerly high-level athlete or collegiate wrestler or whatever you know you have to compare them could that guy kick that guy's ass if he walked in you know the guy from three years ago would this guy be able to beat him up almost assuredly it's yes you know so you, you have to kind of compare people to where they were um and when it and you know i have a litmus test for a couple of different things like White to blue, um, would you be able to defend yourself on the street? And I don't mean beat up the attacker. I mean, like be able to negate the situation, maybe run. Or if, you know, someone put you down, put the form on the, the throat. do you know which way to turn to get the arm lock? Even if you don't get the arm lock, you'll probably get them to break away from you and you can take off. So do you know the basics? Okay. Purple belt, are you tapping people? You gotta be able to tap people through combinations of techniques, okay? Brown belt, it's more about being sea is like a seasoned purple belt. Purple and brown are very, very close, but you've been able to, instead of just attacking, 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 you kind of start drawing back and observing at brown belt what the common responses are. So you get really, really efficient, like, oh, I'm on top, top half guard. He'll either do this or he'll do that. And you know that and you're ready for it. So it looks like so easy, almost like you're a mind reader <laughs> when, you're, when you're at that level. How do you, how do you know I was going to do that? You know? Because I've been there like 100 times and you've only been there twice. Right. right? <laughs> and then when a black belt, that's when it, to your point, it really kicks in. Do I want this person representing me in my lineage? That's the big one. Um, and so far, everyone I've promoted to black belt, I'm very, very pleased with who they are as individuals and their technical levels. So, um, it is a consideration, um, but not the only one.
1: How many people have you promoted to black belt so far?
2: Oh, uh, not that many. I think I'm at eight or nine so far. And I had a couple waiting. I have three guys that are waiting in the wings but because of COVID, yeah, so in 2020, I was supposed to promote my guy in Russia, um, which I did online, uh, which I thought was cool. That's not I didn't want to make that the norm, but I was like, right. there's an opportunity to do something cool and different. Uh, and then my guy, Caesar and another guy, Hardy. Hardy has been a brown ball for like eight years or nine years. Like, oh, okay, it's time. You know, So, but the pandemic, you know cut all that down. And so I've been checking in with them and they're like, no, no, I need more time now because, (laughs) you know, I'm not training as much and et cetera, et cetera. So it's still a pretty, it's a pretty high bar in my organization. And, um, yeah. And it's an honor to be able to promote. I mean, when I started as a white belt blue, I couldn't imagine being a black belt. It was like the skill level was so high. And now to be able to help pass that on thanks to the great instruction that I received from my teacher. You know, I'm able to pass that on and pass it on to, to more people around the world. Um, it's, it's good. And that's one reason why I really like have dedicated my life to jujitsu because it's part of the, part of the answer. It's not the entire answer, but it's definitely part of the answer to making us a healthier society.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, we, both of our, our, our kids are in it as well. And I, oh. I I have two daughters that are in it. And um, they've been in it probably close to two or three years with yeah, me. Yeah, about the same time as this. But uh, I can even see them change from when they started it. Like uh, my youngest, my, she was almost six when she started it. And um, it was interesting because I'd see her in class. You know, she was learning all the techniques, learning everything they taught. And me and her did a competition together. <laughs> and I've got some pictures of her in this competition where, I mean, you could see Hilarious. the determination on her face. And it was like a game changer for her, that competition. Uh, her game just changed from going – because I think she was having – she still has a lot of fun, but it was always fun and learning. She did a competition, and now it's even a little more serious to her. So I, I can see the difference, and I can see the confidence, it puts, the confidence it puts in both my girls. So I really like it.
0: Yeah, our son – my my son is uh 12 years old, and when he first started, it was he was probably about 10, 10, 11, right? We've been doing about two years now. And he's he was a very introverted kid. He would get into class, and he wouldn't want to like touch people or have people in his bubble or anything like that. And I'm like, look, man, this is this is for for you because kids are jerks. I was like, and there might be a time when some kid tries to think he's bigger and badder than you, and then you're gonna show them that you don't want to be messed with, right? So it's like that that confidence that you'll be able to defend yourself, also. But yeah. in the last in the last uh, two years. It's completely different. He's like a whole different kid now. It's crazy. I absolutely love it. He steps on the mat before he goes on the mat. He'll be like, "Do you think I should go easy on the kids today or should I try a little bit harder?" I'm like, "Look, bro, like, I think <laughs> I think you should go as hard as you think you should go. <laughs> don't don't ask me." You know what I mean? Like, but it, it it's great to watch. Absolutely love watching the transition to being a more confident young man and how how jiu-jitsu has, you know, really changed his mindset on being a leader, you know, holding himself accountable and whatnot. I absolutely love it. You know, do you get to teach a lot of kids or is that never, never? never.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I have taught kids before, but, and the energy is good and it's infectious. It's like, but no, I never teach the kids. I'm I'm just, (laughs) I'm just adults. But that kind of transformative nature of what it does for them, especially at that age, like eight, I'm not a, child development specialist but like eight to 12 you get them involved in that and there's like a fluidity to their technique that is really difficult to match and you know peter hulse i i think he started when he was I don't know, 10 or 12 or something like that and i had to promote him to at when he was 16 he got his blue belt and i really wanted to hold him back but by the time he was 17 i had to give him his purple Wow. You know, and I had to, I couldn't hold them back. It was just too good, too fluid, too smooth. And some people just, they just take to it. And that confidence to be able to stand up for themselves or stand up for one of their friends, you know, and it comes, it radiates when you know you really can do something. You, you're you not trying to bluff. I've known a lot of bouncers, actually. They were just big guys. and They were kind of act crazy or like aggressive, like at that moment where they had to fight. Right. And the guy would get, Oh, uh, whatever. But you know, you can be, you can fly under the radar and be able to do whatever you need to do. I mean, there's a real confidence and, and, um, and people sense it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a, not only for myself, but, it's funny talking to having a podcast and being able to talk to people about jujitsu and like what it's done for them. We had uh Jason Kalipa on a couple, couple weeks ago and uh, he's like this one of the CrossFit games in 2008, huge in the CrossFit big mm. athletic guy. And he did Muay Thai for a little bit, but he was like, he's like, it sounds kind of vain, but I want to be the hardest person to kick their butt in the room. Like, that's kind of like why I do it because I want to be able to to defend my family. If it comes down to it, I don't want to be able to, Easily be get taken out, of it, kind of kind of a mindset, and I was like, "Well, it's true, man. Like, my wife, I feel my wife has more confidence with being around me now. Oh, now yeah. that you know, we, we wow. can go out, and I might not yeah, be I mean, able to beat the guy up, but I'm definitely way more strapped."
2: Uh, no, you you have, but really, by like blue belt, you have everything you need to defend yourself. And your, I mean, the basic when it comes down to real conflict, it's basic angles, <laughs> basic movements, you know, um, and yeah, she picks up on your own confidence, which makes her more relaxed. And, you know, and I've been able to, I've gained a lot of confidence over the years, just from my own involvement in the art. And people are like, you're... I had a girlfriend say I had like pathological confidence <laughs> when she first met me, because it's true, you could, you're so much more capable than people suspect that, than you are. And, you know, and you can apply that to other things. Like you take the lessons of jujitsu, like, oh, if I stack circumstances right on top of each other, then you can achieve really incredible things. You know, like if the guy's coming at you in just the right way and you're out, you know, off the line of attack in just the right way, and then you sweep him in just the right moment, dude, he's a big guy, but you totally flipped him. Well, was it all you? It wasn't all you. right. It's you positioning yourself just right, and you can do that in business, you can do that in relationships you can do that with conflict and it's not about marshaling all your force against their force it's about conserving energy by positioning yourself appropriately
0: yeah it's that's that's a great way to look at is is because I feel like people get the blue belt blues, right? And we we had it a little bit, obviously. And when we got our blue belts, like, we were kind of big into the self-defense part of it when we first started. Like, we didn't really have our mindset on competing. It was kind of like, oh, I kind of want to do this to defend myself. And then we got the blue belt. And we're like, well... That's pretty much self defense. So now we got to learn more jujitsu, mm-hmm. <laughs> like dance. Yeah, it was,
1: it was a mental shift because I have people ask me all the time. They're like, "I was like, well, honestly, I think you learn everything you need to know for self defense, like on the street with someone that has no martial arts training, in probably six to eight months." I said, "I felt like at that once you get moved past that self defense, really you're just you're doing it because you love it. You're trying to stay in shape, but now you're just trying to beat other jujitsu practitioners." And and that's where really it goes after that self defense. I mean, really just trying to beat that other jujitsu guy. <laughs> the other jujitsu guy, like, you know. Totally,
2: totally. Yeah, yeah. It's like you versus an uneducated audience, and then it's you versus a very educated audience. Right. And then that and which can lead into like weird like wormholes of techniques and positions that would never really happen. Right. Or are very very unlikely to happen. So you can have really sophisticated answers for problems that don't exist, right? In, in, in real life, but you know, but in this particular set, you those problems do exist, and you know, you're going to solve them, and that's that's part of the joy. You know, I mean, initially, a lot of people come into Jiu-Jitsu because of self defense, or maybe they um, they were attacked. And they want to gain that confidence back or what, what to do. But that fades after like one, like you said, eight months. Yeah, for sure. Or maybe even by two years, that should probably be just totally out of their minds. Then it's more about the game, Mm -hmm. you know, and then after the game, you kind of figure out the game. I mean, you can be kind of a perfectionist like me where I'm trying to find out the answers to, you know, beat people from with all different body types all different games all different you know i want to be able to to figure that stuff out but it's only for me i mean it's only it's only for me right it's just a further refinement but then once you get the game and the strategy then it's about community it's about connecting with people it's about seeing your friends it's about regulating your mood you know it's it's about being able to just like take it as hard as you want to that day you know, maybe it's not a high intensity day. Maybe you want to, you know, it's everyone's there. It's five days a week, but you can't do the high intensity every day. So you do light intensity, but more frequency, you know, so it, you can, you can like change it to suit your needs. And there's, there's really something to be said. A lot of people just going back to like the powerlifting or the really elite athletes that sacrifice their bodies for the performance. Um, you know, there, there's, there's something about, um, again, just, just go into that middle path. You're going to enjoy it longer, and you're going to get more output from the art. You don't want to become a slave to the art. You want the art to serve you. You don't want to serve the art. I mean, you do in a, in a way, but you don't want to become a slave to the art. Yeah. It's, it, th- this is a technology and a tool to, for you to improve your life
1: spot on with that i think that's like the balance you know we we talk about it all the time like uh, yeah. you know work training kids life we're trying to find that balance right now and you know sometimes sometimes I'm drawing a hard line like we're only going three times this week like you know not not going and trying to yeah. go as much as you can to every class that's available you know just i think you're spot on with that and once we tend to get into that habit of finding that balance we it's much more enjoyable
0: Absolutely. I've taken a step back from doing jujitsu as much, especially once we got our blue belt. I felt like when we were white belts, it was like, go, 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 as much Mm jujitsu as possible. Learn everything I possibly can. YouTube it. Instagram. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just like just trying to soak up as much as possible. And now I'm like, well, I'm going to go two times a week. Open mat. you know, enjoy, enjoy it and get to roll Mm -hmm. with the newer people. Try to teach a little bit of what I know. And I enjoy jujitsu so much more now. Like I don't feel like it's it's taxing me as much mentally mm-hmm. or physically. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I get to go to jujitsu today. Not I have to go to jujitsu today, like I get to go to jujitsu, I get right. to do this today. And it's it's honestly that mental shift has been phenomenal. I mean physically going through something as hard as, you know, three, four, five minute rolls or five times is like You leave with that high. You know, you talk about that yoga high. You leave with those endorphins and you're like, oh, man. Well, I'm not going to do that for three, four days, but it was great right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Well,
2: hey, I mean, blue belt blues are a real thing. And a lot of people quit at blue. It's a sprint from white to blue for sure. And then if you don't kind of like, oh, I need to, I need to like stride it out, open up that stride, pace it out, then if you keep that sprint mentality, you can kind of burn out about halfway through the race Mm -hmm. for, for, to, to purple. You have to kind of take a step back, integrate it into your life a little bit more. So it's, it's comfortable with your lifestyle and then just chip away at it. And even though you don't feel like you're really progressing, you're like, no, I'm at a plateau. You are getting better, but it's just, it's the, those are like roots that's like you planted a bulb and the roots are starting, they're coming up, but you really, it hasn't flowered yet. You have to keep watering it. You have to, so it'll poke through. It's invisible progress a good for one. a while, but then once it breaks through, then you really start coming into your own. You've become actually a different, different machine, you know? Uh, so, so keep chipping away. Don't get, don't get down with it.
0: So, We always like to ask the guest, what would your you kind of you've kind of alluded to quite a few tips to to beginners or intermediate practitioners and whatnot. What would your one tip wholeheartedly be for someone that just started jujitsu or a white belt with a little bit of experience, maybe a year into it or something like that? What would your tip to them be about jujitsu?
2: make friends with the ground, (laughs) make friends with the ground so that you can learn how to like snake move, for example, like or shrimping. It's, it's you working with the ground so you can eliminate friction, right? So you're, you're flat on the ground, boom, you eliminate that friction. Then you move because you have fewer points in contact with the mat, right? So you know how to move your body in relation to the ground. And if you, roll over and you're like table topping or something like kicking your leg through and you're on all like hands and, and feet like looking down uh, or, or you want to do a sit out or something like that. You need to know, get comfortable with that weight distribution into your hands, you know, being able to switch your base comfortably, make friends with the ground because the, the ground is going to be your ally on the other side. You learn how to turn yourself into a vice. This side doesn't move, this side moves, right? So you pin the person, then you apply pressure, right? And being caught on the ground, you need to learn how to escape those positions, change the shape of your body. And then offensively, you know how to make different shapes with your body, use the forces of nature, gravity, to be able to drive down and so making friends with the ground, it shouldn't be foreign. You should be able to plop on the ground, make yourself into a ball, make yourself into a square, make yourself into a triangle at any time. And once you, and once you know how to be kind of like flexible like that, then now you're just adding another person. It's, about, it's more about your relationship with the ground and another person is in there as opposed to you battling another person.
0: That's a great way to look at it. Because I feel like a lot of people when they first start, they don't understand shrimping or pressure or how to how to sink and put your weight on someone and thinking about it's a backboard and then you have to apply the pressure to the backboard. That's like now I'm like thinking like, man, I'm going to start thinking that way myself, actually, because I don't know. That's just a different way to look at it for me, Mm -hmm. because before it's like me trying to put my pressure on them instead of trying to put it on the, you know, the ground behind them. So. Well, I appreciate that. That's uh-huh. pretty good. So, I don't want to, we don't want to keep it too much longer. Where, where can people find you on Instagram, YouTube, and whatnot? Okay, you can check me out on Instagram, Roy
2: Dean. Uh, Roydean.tv is a website. Um, you can go search for Roy Dean on YouTube. And, um, you know, I go through phases of activity on social media. Sometimes I want to pull back, sometimes a new project, really put it out there. Um, but yeah, follow me. I'm always trying to put out high quality content that inspires people. You know, um, it's one thing to, to the art's been very, very good to me. It's been really good to me. I feel fortunate that I've, I don't know how many lifetimes it took for me to be in in this position where I can do this full time, but I'm grateful for it. And I want to put it back out there. Um, so that if I wasn't me and if I was someone else and came across my materials, I would say, oh, this is a pathway for me to improve my life. You know, so uh, if you want to get in on that and understand the art a little bit deeper, um, feel free to reach out or contact me through any of those mediums.
0: Yeah, the website is fantastic. I can't say enough about it. The app is great. I literally can watch a Roy Dean video on my phone anytime I want. I'll be sitting in my truck waiting for something. And I'm like, I'm going to watch an armbar series. <laughs> 100%. And yeah. And it's just as high quality content as you'll find out in the public. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. I can't, I can't say enough about it. So John, got anything else?
1: I'm just going to ask you, think you'll ever do another uh, brick and mortar uh, training facility? Oh,
0: I
2: really don't. Do <laughs> I, really, I really do not. Uh, no, I think I am passed that. It was good. And I learned a lot. I mean, you learn when you're teaching every day, your it's like training every day you like your teaching game goes up big time uh but now no i'm focused on just my affiliates and they have the brick and mortar schools and i'm just trying to make it a really cool gentleman's club for them so that we take we get together we have trips we have really memorable experiences together so that's where my focus is uh right now but but um but yeah uh uh, just like co- competition too. like there was a, a time where I was competing. Now it's those days are over. <laughs> I'm, I'm into, I'm
1: into a new phase.
0: Well, appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Dean for coming on and giving us your time today. Uh, this, this is honestly off right off the bucket list. Uh, it was incredible that you, you gave us this opportunity. So I can't thank you enough. And, um, it's, this was great. So much information. I can't wait to, to send this out there and have people listen to it. So thank you for that. Um, And then, John, you got – that? that's it?
1: That's it, man. Uh, Thank you. And um, I actually reached out to a couple of our friends that are um, black belts and wanted to know if they had any questions they wanted me to ask. All they wanted me to do was tell you thank you. They said when they started their jiu-jitsu journeys, it was your content that they were first following. Yeah. So it helped them on on their path. Yeah, it was incredible how many
0: people actually know who you are when we told them (laughs) – we put it on social media, and I got like four or five messages from friends who were like, oh, I love his stuff. I was like, I didn't know that. So – we, we greatly appreciate it man know that it's obviously you know that you're making a huge influence around in the jujitsu community so thanks for that so but without that anything else that is all we have for today so thank you guys for watching and listening at home uh hopefully you guys enjoyed it i know i did and uh remember no oil checks here john
1: i'm not saying that,
0: man. <laughs> all right guys oh awesome. see you later